From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight, Devil's Night, we talk bad, bad, oh, but you know, bad like good, Cleveland Cavs, the Browns' scary Monday night matchup with the Bengals, NFL Week 8 spooky storylines, Big Ten Big Fright Weekend, and we close the show by closing the book on the first season of House of the Dragon. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever, my co-hosts, Phil Denko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, Terry Francona, Kevin Stefanski, J.B. Bickerstaff. Which Cleveland coach are you going to dress up as for Halloween tomorrow night? <laughs> I think the easy answer for me would, would be Stefanski. Uh, I just need a wig, and I'm there. I figured you'd have gone with Bickerstaff because he's bald like you. And he's got like a beard. Uh, I, You're basically Bickerstaff right now. <laughs> I, I I felt that if I went with Bickerstaff, perhaps we'd get some negative commentary. <laughs> I, I'm, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, I'll take Tito because it means I get to go on a scooter around while everybody's <laughs> yeah. trick-or-treating. Excellent. Yeah, good idea. I was going to go with Stefanski, too, just because I figured if I wore that costume, no one would expect much from me if they asked me a question. <laughs> I can just kind of respond like, ah, I'm, I'm I'm learning and moving on to the next one. That's my plan right cliche now. After cliche, right? Smart, yeah. tough, and accountable, whatever. One game at a time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get started. We'll stay at home in the land and start with our sip of wine and gold, our weekly Cavs recap. Cavs roll through their second week of hoops, grab an uglier-than-it-should-have-been win over the Magic, an epic, even though it's still October, comeback, overtime, road win over the Celtics, and then come home for a battle and a win over the New York Knicks. Cavs finish off the week 5-1 and one on the young season. So, fellas, scale of 1-5, to five, 1 being a jug of Sutter Home White Zinn, Five being doggone rosé from Vino Veritas Cellars on Memphis Avenue in Cleveland. How would you rate the week for the Cavs? I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a five. I'm going with the Vino Veritas ones because Doc Holiday said it in Tombstone, right? Doesn't he yeah. say that to Johnny Ringo in the bar? He, he uh, does. The, he does. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a uh, fantastic week. I'm sure that wine's delicious. So I'm going with a five. This week, three and zero. Oh. It's a seven on that scale. It is a Tom Burke seven, man. I did not see this three and O week coming. Uh, that was fantastic. Yeah, I give it a five too, man. It's hard to believe that they were able to come out of that week three and O. How about another scale? Scale of one to five. One being the church lady, five being Jenna Jameson. How would you rate the Cavs as finishers this week? <laughs> so. I'm gonna. They they finished really well, so it's a five. I suppose Absolutely. on that yeah. scale. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that that's the correct end of the scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a five. I might have to dig around and see if that VHS still exists somewhere with Pam Anderson <laughs> finish. So, what do you think the key was for them in the in the way they finish games, especially in Boston and again today at home against the Knicks? I don't. They are well. Boston went to overtime, so that was a that was a monumental comeback that kind of started towards the end of the third quarter, right? But carried through the fourth quarter for sure. And in that game, it was it was just scoring from the backcourt like we've never ever seen before. Eighty two points out of those two guys, so a ton of scoring uh, every which way. 
And that that was kind of the case today against New York, too. I think they outscored. They creamed them in the fourth quarter. It was like 37 yeah. to 15 in the fourth. So the scoring is phenomenal because I'm pretty sure that's the most points they've scored this season in any given quarter. But the defense is turning it up, too, on the other end. I mean, to hold someone to 15 points, to hold that Celtics team from just answering every time down the floor and, and get that into overtime. And we had the momentum going into overtime. It was it was fantastic. I mean, Phil kind of covered the spectrum, but I'm going to stick to the D end of it because especially in Boston, they gave up 75 in the first and 39 in the second. Uh, and Phil said that the, the Knicks game down nine, right? Going in the fourth and, and only gave up 15. So uh, defense wins championships, even as well as this team is playing offensively. It's hard to argue with the fact that it's really happening on both ends of the floor when they needed to. They They found scoring in the fourth quarter today, mostly from Kevin Love that just hadn't been there for the first three quarters. They really did not shoot the ball well at all through most of the game today, but they kind of hung around and played enough good defense and then got scoring out of guys like Love and, of course, Donovan Mitchell just never stopped scoring. And, and they're, they're able to, I don't know, show the guts that might be lacking in some other teams in Cleveland and, and be able to like find a way to win those games down the stretches is a lot of fun. Let's talk a little Evan Mobley. He's averaging 16 points and seven rebounds a game so far this season, but I get the feeling watching sometimes that he's not really impacting these games in a major way, even with those numbers. Are you disappointed at all with the start of the season from him? I don't know if I'm disappointed. I thought he looked a little more comfortable uh, in that Magic game, at least in the in the second half. But we, we kind of talked about this, that I think there's going to be some tinkering. Uh, and it doesn't even line up. It's just with the way the ball moves. Um, and you're, you're seeing a, a superstar on this team where we thought maybe in year two it's going to be Mobley. Well, we shipped one in. So I, I think it's going to take a little time. I'm not disappointed at all. Still, he's a second-year guy. But I think there's this, a level of discomfort sometimes. And it, he looked like he got into that rhythm in the second half of the Magic game. And it's not like he's had bad stat lines. Um, so I, I expect more from him, but I'll just I'll just hide behind it's early in the year. Yeah, I'm not disappointed in him at all because I think we have to remember is he he had no training camp. He he got hurt really early in training camp, rolled his ankle and didn't have his normal training camp. Not not that the preseason games mattered, but just his reps on the floor. There, there's something lacking in his game relative to last year right now, and he's getting there. I mean, his stat line was was good tonight, and he's he's had some double doubles here recently, and he's had a he's had a block shot in every game he's played this year. He's getting there. It's uh, Jim Jones actually. I listened to some of it on the radio today, and Jim Jones was addressing that, and you know he knows about big guys in the NBA, right? Uh, he he mentioned that it was more a rhythm thing. Like he's getting it, he sees it in practice with this guy, and he's just a couple weeks behind because he missed training camp, which the season's only two weeks old. Well, that's all really great to hear. What I still see is like a lack of assertiveness and saw it some in tonight's game against the Knicks. Mobley is a gifted passer, but sometimes you're like, gosh, dude, don't pass it. Like, I know you can make that pass to another guy and it's a, you know, it's a good basketball play to do it, but sometimes it's just a better basketball play to take the shot or take a guy to the hole or something like that. Like he's so good at handling the ball. We just never really see him get the ball at the three-point line and go right to the rim and either dunk it or pull up over somebody or something like that. I guess I'd like to see more of that from him, but hopefully that's a rhythm thing and, and that it's coming together. You know, before we started, you kind of mentioned, Phil, like what happens with the chemistry of this team when it's all-star point guard Darius Garland comes back. 
And I wonder what you guys think about how is that going to impact Mobley? Because that now you've got another dude on the floor who can really score some points. I, that's true, but I, I think it might benefit Mobley. That that was a good one-two punch last year where that was a lot of pick and roll. That was a lot of drive and dish, you, you know, because of the way Darius plays. So assuming Darius comes back and his game hasn't changed because of the other guys that are on the floor, that may help Mobley get some of those those buckets down low, right? Like that that back to the basket hook shot or that quick little dish two-handed dunk kind of bucket. So I think it'll help him. Agree. If they're all on the floor at the same time, I think spacing helps him as as a big guy with a, a good mid-range and somebody who can attack the basket. So uh, spacing should be his uh, would be his favor to, to create a little bit more room for him. It's going to be interesting. I think that from a chemistry perspective, losing Garland for what amounts to now almost two weeks has really kind of slowed that for the Cavs, but a credit to them that they keep winning basketball games, even though he's not out there. Why don't we go ahead and raise your wine glass for a Donovan who gets a toast from you this week and is also not Donovan Mitchell. Otherwise this segment is going to get really boring, really fast. <laughs> First option, Karis Levert, 41.7 assists, critical hustle plays in Friday's big win in Boston really distributed the ball and played good defense tonight against the Knicks. Although he, his shot was not going down at all. Next one, the Dean of downtown Dean Wade, 12 points, three boards in the win over the magic 22 points, four boards in the win tonight over the Knicks. Next one, Kevin love 29 points in 22 minutes tonight, just for fun. D Mitch, the spider King, 14, 41, and 38 this week. That guy is just unreal. Who are you toasting this week? So not Donovan Mitchell. Uh, if it's not Donovan Mitchell, I'm going to give it to Karis LeVert because that I did not expect a 41-point outpouring of offense from that guy. I know he's a scorer, but with, with the way this team shares the ball and the other scorers on the team, I thought good, really good ceiling game for that guy would be like 25 points. You know, that'd be great to get 25 points out of Karis. What he did in Boston, and that was clutch in that game too, the 82 points coming from those two guys. So I'll give it to Karis LeVert. And tonight, like you said, his shot wasn't going down, but the guy had like seven assists in the first quarter. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Levert's a, a great choice. Um, the thing I loved most about him, Boston, was the, I thought it was the first time since he got here, he looked empowered. Uh, some of those plays he made on like that rebound, and then he ran out and shot the three against Boston. Uh, I appreciated that. I, I like, D, I don't expect a lot from, from D Wade. Uh, so I, I might go that way, but I might go off script here. And he's, he's not like, he ain't going to get you a ton of buckets, but Raul Nito, that Neto, guy yeah. plays such annoying d defense. He reminds me of like why we all loved Della Vadova. Like he's constantly on people and touching them and bumping them. And like, I like a guy like that on this roster uh, who's just going to be a grinder. So you're giving it to Nito? I am. <laughs> all right, good deal. Yeah, I, I actually tweeted today, is Nito the new Deli? Oh, did you? I, I did. I, and, and I got one. I got one like from Denko. Yes, <laughs> but I, you're welcome. But I still think I'm right. Yeah, you are absolutely. Wait a minute. What do you mean you still think? Just because I liked it, you thought maybe you weren't right? <laughs> well, I, you know, I need more assurances than just one person. <laughs> you're right. I would have. You're, right, you're right. <laughs> I'm going with Kevin Love. Points when we needed it to win that game tonight. That's exactly what you need, like the veteran guy on your team to do. So, uh, K Love gets my toast again this week next week celtics come to town on wednesday and then the Cavs head west 
all the way to Detroit on Friday night <laughs> and then move on to play the Lakers Sunday afternoon. The Cavs undefeated again this week? No. I think they finished two and one. I think the, the Celtics, that team's too good. Um, and maybe there's a hair up their ass for for losing. And that did that game, I know how early it is in the year. Didn't it feel like a little playoffy atmosphere to you when yeah. you were watching that game, right? So um, if these two teams are going to lock horns, I, I guess the Celtics will win this one. But I think two and one's very reasonable. I'll say the same thing I said last week. That sounds and feels like a two and one week, which is a very good week. And I, it's the Celtics game that, I think the Cavs drop, but who knows? I was wrong last week. Maybe I'll be wrong again. I see no reason to change from last week when I said we'd be undefeated. (laughs) I'm rolling the dice again. I don't think the Celtics are coming into our building when the Cavs will be on like two days rest and, and, and grabbing a win from us. So I say another undefeated week for the Cavs. But as always, things going great for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So let's move on. Skid marks. The brown and orange road to, oh, this might get worse, Township, our weekly look at the Cleveland Browns. They didn't lose today because they didn't play. They're playing Monday night against the Bengals. Before we get to talking about the Bengals game, let's do a little trick-or-treat with the Browns. I'm going to give you guys some stats. want you to tell me whether you think they are true, which would be a treat, or whether they're a trick. Right now, the Cleveland Browns defense ranks among the top 10 defenses in the NFL in multiple categories. Trick or treat? I'm going to say trick, but I think you're, I think you're playing with us. Yeah. I want to go trick on that, but I'm sure there's some categories way down the list that they're in the top 10 in. So, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with trick. Your instincts were correct. (laughs) (laughs) Although I don't think it's as bad as you think right now, that defense is, Top 10 in the NFL in yards per game, passing yards per game, and rushing yards per play. And somehow they're still terrible. I don't understand. I don't get it, but that's actually true. That that defense is ranked in the top 10 in those categories. Next one. Nick Chubb is leading the league in rushing and has the lowest number of carries among all of the backs in the top five. Trick or treat? I'm going to say that's a treat. I think it's a treat, too. Oh, for two. Fellas, that is a trick. Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne, and Khalil Herbert, who is a running back in Chicago that I had never heard of until today, are all in the top five with less carries than Nick Chubb. Now, they've also got like 200 less yards rushing than he does. Oh. <laughs> but they're in, but they're still in the top five. And before the games were played this afternoon, uh, Lamar Jackson was in the top five, and he only has 75 carries. <laughs> All right, last one. Brown's offense ranks in the top five in the AFC in multiple categories. Trick or treat? Shit. <laughs> I think that's a treat. I'm thinking there's probably two in there, probably like yards per carry and maybe even yards per pass. Um, I got to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm going against my instinct here. I think it's a treat. Uh, do these categories include penalties and spiking the ball (laughs) off your center's ass while trying to complete a screen pass i'm gonna i'm gonna go for the turkey here i'm 0 for 2 i'm going for 0 for 3 i'm gonna say that's a trick it is a treat Ah, the browns offense ranks in the top five in the afc they are fifth in total points third in total yards second in rushing attempts and second in rushing yards and and that's why we're five and two, right? Like that makes perfect yeah, sense. That's absolutely. why we're five and two. And <laughs> that is the ultimate question is how are we ranked that high throughout the AFC and the NFL? 
in multiple categories like that. And we have the league's leading rusher and we're terrible. Our defense must be ranked 33rd. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be why we're terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just reset this real quick. Uh, Bad play calling in critical positions. Uh, Interesting defensive scheme sometimes. Uh, but ultimately, they just end up shooting themselves in the foot at the worst possible time. So I'm, I'm just going to stick to that. Like they just, they can't put it together when it matters most. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're four of their five losses were by three points or less. So they were they were playing good football in those games on at least one side of the ball for most of the game. And we're as bad as we are because of what Chuck said. It's it's the inopportune. I mean, the timing of the mistakes couldn't be worse at, at in some of these games, right? And the defense, despite your top 10 ranking, is has just been bad. The only thing that really makes sense is the shooting themselves in the foot thing. That you can be this good in so many different categories of the game and still not win games is because you are trying to find a way to lose them at the end. And that's just what they have done most of this season and even the games they've won they've almost lost so uh, i guess that explains why they're where they're at although by the numbers they're doing okay uh maybe even better than okay so let's talk monday night football this week halloween night bengals coming to cleveland to play the browns in our preseason picks denko is the only true believer the only one who picked the browns to win this game before the season started Chuck and I both picked the Bengals to win it. Anybody interested in changing their picks? Phil? No, I'm I'm sticking with it. Joe Burrow cannot beat the Browns. He can't. That's right. He can't do it. Even with Burrow not being able to beat the Browns and Jamar Chase being out and the season on the brink uh, in prime time, finally, at least I don't have to watch a Broncos game in prime time. Um, No, I still think they're loose tomorrow. Prediction for the score? Browns six, Bengals three <laughs> uh, no no uh i think um if i'm gonna stick with the browns winning i think the browns win uh 23 to 21 Ooh, um bengals 35 browns 33 because Cade york yanks one to win oh. the game at the end man that's gonna hurt I don't don't think it's going to be that bad. I think this is like a 27-24 Bengals win, something like that. I think the Browns can keep it close, but uh, they just can't win games at the end, which makes for a real frustrating time for fans. And so we're going to move on, gentlemen, because I believe we have a God-given, constitutionally protected, and I'm a lawyer, right to enjoy pro football. We can't with the Browns. We have tried and tried and tried. It's time for something else. A team we can watch with some hope and joy. A team we can cheer for that may not win every game, but we might get to watch some games that matter after week three. Now, we're not replacing the Browns. They're still our number one, but we should get to choose a co-pilot, a second choice, a second favorite team. We should get to choose our goose from the NFL. So (laughs) let's pick a 2022 season goose for the show. One team that we're all going to follow and root for for the rest of the season. Some things to consider. Uh, It should be a team that's good. We all have a soft spot for the Lions. That can't be our choice. Why would we put ourselves through that in addition to watching the Browns? (laughs) (laughs) It should probably go without saying that it can't be anybody in the AFC North, right? That would never be any fun. Right. 
I also don't think it should be anybody else that's on the Browns schedule. So that takes out the Dolphins, the Bills, the Buccaneers, the Saints, and the Commanders. If you were thinking of picking New Orleans or the Commanders for some reason. <laughs> so if we have to find another team to watch this year, that's going to be some fun. Who should it be? I would lean towards Vince Papali and the Eagles or, or Fran Tarkington and the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, interesting. Chuck, how about you? Well, the Eagles are my first choice because they are fun to watch. You know, I, I don't know if there's anybody other than them in the NFC that you're like, man, these guys are going to make a run. I would say Eagles. I don't have a, I'm trying to think about it. I would say, you know, I think the Titans are going to uh, are going to tough it up and Derrick Henry starting to look like Derrick Henry, but they're not fun to watch. They just plot along. So yeah. I'm going with the Eagles. The Eagles were on my list too, but I, I know these two guys, the McCarthy's who are friends of mine in Vegas. And they've just got to be like absolutely impossible to be around right now because they're from Philadelphia. <laughs> and so they're huge Phillies fans and the Phillies are in the World Series and they're huge Eagles fans. It's hard for me to pick the Eagles because I don't know. Those guys are just difficult. Um, the Vikings were a choice too, but I don't think they're as much fun. I, I think the Eagles, I think you're right. Like just for just for a fun team to watch, I think it should be the Eagles. Um Give us another reason to root against Pittsburgh, right? Because they're like in-state rivals. The Eagles just won the battle yep. for Pennsylvania. I'm okay with the Eagles if you guys are both okay with it. Fly, Eagle, fly. Yeah, absolutely. We're all in. Our goose for the 2022 season, the Philadelphia Eagles. I can't wait to find out who they're playing next week uh, and get excited about that game. The Texans. Hey. One five hey. and one Texans. Hey. All right. we go. Hey, hey, things are already looking up in the land. <laughs> and it's and it's Thursday night. So, well, you know. Excellent. Make your popcorn. Another reason to watch football on a different night. I love it. All right, fellas, with that, we are going to close out our at-home segment. Take our first break. Come back on the road. Talk some more football. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, start in the NFL with our week eight storylines, and we're going to keep it spooky. We spend all this time each week talking about all the good teams. Let's talk about the bad teams this week. Uh-oh, how are you feeling about the one and six and lovesick Detroit Lions? Not great, though. They put up a lot of points today in a losing effort. I want to believe that their coach, who we all love so dearly, is like the next Mike Vrabel. Like he's a he's a culture guy and he's rough around the edges uh, and he's building a culture and they're going to turn it around. But I, I don't know. I just don't want to see that guy get canned. I want some stability in that franchise. Like I want it here for the Browns, but I'm not feeling too great for our high hopes for that making the playoffs this year. I love me some Motown, but I'm not feeling too good about this this team's uh, season here. I I, I think... They're one and six. Like, ah, just just get back to that exciting offense. They may lose the rest of their games, but at least today they played a fun brand of football. So get back to that exciting offense, and hopefully Campbell doesn't lose his job. But he might he might punch a ref in the middle of the game and yeah. get canned. Who knows? I think my worry is that if they only win one or two games this year, they're going to can them and they're going to move on, and that sucks because he sure makes that team interesting. And they did score a lot of points today. Interestingly, they scored them all in the first half. At 27 points in the first half, didn't score at all in the second half, lost the game. Poor Lions. Whoa. How scary is the <laughs> NFC South? Had the Panthers not decided to play like the Browns for Halloween, the entire division would be three and five right now. Instead, 
The Falcons are four and four. Tampa Bay is three and five. The Saints are three and five. And the Panthers are two and six. Can you think of a single good reason for any of these teams to win that division? No. Uh, can the Browns put in for a transfer to that division? <laughs> Could that happen? Is that a thing? I don't think that it is. I don't think we'd fit really well in the South. <laughs> well, whatever. Record-wise. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We'd still be in it. What was the, the exact question? Can you think of a single good reason for any of these teams to win the division? We, I mean, Tom Brady, because he's out there hunting for some new puss, so maybe. Oh, boy. <laughs> Get him some strange. <laughs> so who is, if you had to pick a team to win the NFC South right now, who would it be? Like, we made fun of the Falcons at the beginning of the year. They beat the Browns. Remember that? The yep. Panthers have an XFL quarterback who's playing pretty well. The Saints... They have no quarterback. I still have to sit with the Buccaneers. I mean, even with the injuries and 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 Tom not being Tom at 44, he's now 45. But I still think they got to find a way to win the division, right? They have to. Somebody has to win it. Somebody does have to win it. That's in the rules. <laughs> yeah, I, I would lean towards the Tom Brady-led Buccaneers that may, maybe maybe this is the first time in his, his storied career that he wins a division with a an eight and nine record, you know, a losing record. They might, they might take the division this year. The Buccaneers seem like toast to me. They're playing badly and Brady like doesn't look like he's interested in being there. Um, getting mad at everybody yelling at him on the sidelines and stuff like that. I, I don't trust the Buccaneers at all. I don't trust any of these other teams either, but yeah, right? uh, I, I think I'm going to go with the hot hand. The Falcons are 500 headed in the right direction and they've got a one game lead. In the division right now. So I guess the Atlanta Falcons are winning that division. But man, that is going to be an ugly run down there in the NFC South. Let's move back over to the AFC. Who do you think is the worst team in the AFC right now? The Raiders are two and five. The Steelers are two and six. The Browns are two and five, probably leaning two and six. The Jags are two and six. Somehow blew a lead to the Broncos this morning in England. Uh, and the Texans are one, five, and one. Who is the worst in the AFC? I, I think the worst team there are the Houston Texans. Um, those are all pretty bad teams. You look at teams like Jacksonville, they've got their quarterback in place, even though he's not living up to expectations. Um, the Raiders have their quarterback in place. The Browns have their quarterback in the building, I guess. So I would say Houston because they're really bad. It's Houston too, only because the other teams have – discernible talent like you can list players on their team that are good the texans i think the only time they came up is you talked about a, a rookie running back who me and phil had never heard of a couple <laughs> weeks ago uh so i don't it's even know what of, that guy's doing yeah so i'll give it for lack of talent but man they're 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 pretty stockpiled with numero unos coming up so uh, they may turn it around down the line but this year it's, it's the texans i would go with the texans too although i'll tell you what it's a lot closer than i thought it would be uh between the texans and maybe the Steelers and maybe the Raiders, which I think is probably of the teams on that list are the biggest surprise as a bad team, right? I mean, wouldn't yeah, you have thought sure. that the Raiders would be in the running for that division? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I picked them to win the division. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I want to go back and check Uh-oh. the tape. <laughs> yeah. All right, move over to the NFC. Who's the worst in the NFC? Our beloved Lions, one and six. The Panthers, two and six. This one's for Chuck. The Cardinals are three and five. The Commanders are four and four somehow, but I'm putting them on the list anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chuck, who's yeah. the worst team in the NFC? 
Ooh, I can't touch those Lions um, because we love them too much. You know, I hate the Cardinals. And again, a team with a lot of talent who, who's not doing really well. And you hate it. I'll take Phil's line. You hate to see it, man. <laughs> like, you hate to see it. And maybe their schedule is really rough, but I'll, I'll shit on them at one more time. It's the Cardinals. I, I think it's the Carolina Cleveland Browns, uh, Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, you get rid of a guy like McCaffrey. Um, you trot an XFLer out there today, although they had a chance to win. They lost. I'm pretty sure all their wide receivers want are demanding trades. So I, I feel like that team is the, just the worst team in the NFC right now. And they lost to the Browns. You know, that's true. If you've lost to one of the teams on the other worst team list, that's <laughs> yeah, not right. really good for for your standing. I still don't understand how the Commanders are winning any games. Oh. They seem really bad, but maybe they got a pretty good defense. Yeah, I think I would go with the Panthers too. They just seem lost. You can't count on a, a USFL quarterback to win you games, XFL. and if you're going to sit that XFL, sorry, not even Either as good way. as the USFL. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One step down from the USFL. <laughs> and if you sit that guy, you sit your XFL quarterback, your choices aren't great. Baker has not played well for them. Uh, Sam Darnold's still sitting there. But I, I really think he's just collecting a paycheck for the injury money right now because uh, he's not coming back on the field. So, yeah, Panthers, not in good shape. Let's move on to some AFC Central talk. Looking ahead to next week, the Steelers. Get a well-deserved rest. They're on a bye week. Cannot win or lose next week. The first place Baltimore Ravens, five and three on the road in New Orleans next Monday night. Who's winning that game? The Ravens are winning that game. Yeah, I think Baltimore takes that. Yeah, I think Baltimore does that pretty easily and, and probably pretty handily. Uh, the Bengals, before I start this, I want you to know that I wrote this joke at about 4 o'clock this afternoon. Bengals are 4-3. and three. They get the Browns in primetime tomorrow night. The week after that, they have the Panthers coming to Cincinnati. Are they winning their game against the Carolina Browns? <laughs> uh, yes. They will somehow amass two wins in the next uh, few days. <laughs> you, yeah, you may as well blend the jerseys together. Orange helmets with like that powder oh, blue and silver jersey. <laughs> yeah, they're winning that game too. I have a feeling the Bengals are going to win two games in like a six-day period. That sucks. All right, well, that's enough NFL scary bad teams. Why don't we go ahead and move on and talk some college football because we haven't done that in a while. And this was a weekend where it felt like the Big Ten was finally heating up. Michigan and Ohio State both played their toughest road games of the season so far, and both came out unscathed. Scale of one to five, one being mad at the Buckeyes, Burke, five being happy with the Buckeyes, Burke. What did you think about the win over Penn State? I, I feel compelled to give that a seven, but I, I won't. I, I think it's a three because that game, that game was way closer and in doubt toward the end of it than it ended up being because of just the the speed at which that team can put points on the board, which is great to see. I think they had like a three play touchdown drive and then a pick six on a, from a defensive lineman that, that jumped up and stabbed the ball. So a lot of points really quickly, but that game was still in question halfway through the fourth. So I, I'm not super happy Burke with that. I'm actually, I think I'm going to go four. it's never easy to play in happy Valley. And their team is not bad. It's just they they don't they don't know how to close out games. That's that's what people in this state seem to think about their coach. But what Phil said, 
the ability for them to score points that quickly when you saw that happen uh where, where the game was in doubt and then it wasn't really quickly within all of like three minutes and that's not that's not time on the clock that's time and like watching it on television <laughs> yeah, right. um yeah. that's why i think like this offense is is really really good and, and even with one of their best receivers out I'm, I'm still really excited about this buckeye team so i'm, I'm leaning a little farther on the burke buckeye scale yeah i think i'm probably at like a three and a half or a four two like it was close at the beginning but you never really had the sense i think during the game that the the buckeyes were in danger i always felt like gosh there's just so much talent they can move the ball so easily and the defense has actually really improved from last year although i wasn't expecting them to score i think they scored 14 points in less than 36 clock seconds or something like that i mean just amazing how they put points up like that a big win, I guess you're right, like a tough game on the road. Happy Valley is always tough. I'm really glad they didn't have to play at night because it always seems like it's tougher at night to play there than it is during the day. So a good, although not great win maybe for the Buckeyes. At this point, is our expectation going to be that Michigan and Ohio State are undefeated going into that game just after Thanksgiving? Yes. Yeah, it's our expectation and really my hope. Because uh, you don't want Michigan to stumble. Make those two teams being undefeated in that game is a a better thing for the Buckeyes when they win it. Yeah, I agree. This is a lot of fun, man. The, the Ohio State Michigan game is better when both teams are good. Although I did enjoy the 17 year run of just kicking the shit out of them. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> but I want them to be. I want them to be good as well. All right. The first college football playoff rankings will come out this week. Georgia. Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Clemson are all undefeated. Which two teams are getting left out of the top four this week? TCU and Clemson. Same. Yeah. No drama at all. All right. (laughs) I agree. TCU and Clemson. Where do you think the Buckeyes will fall in that ranking when it comes out this week? Um, Three, Georgia, Tennessee, Buckeyes. I'll I'll put them at two. I think it goes Georgia, Buckeyes, Tennessee. I think I'm with Chuck. I I think that Tennessee team beat Alabama, still undefeated, still looks good. So I I have a feeling it's Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, and Michigan. Uh, And we'll see how that shakes out once these teams start playing against each other. I think Tennessee and Georgia play next week. Mm. So we'll see what happens after that. But all right, so we're basically in agreement on all that. There's almost... No fun in that conversation. Let's move on. <laughs> our NBA side piece standings, looking at how our NBA mistresses are doing. I am currently in the lead. The Bucks and the Magic have been almost perfect this season, except for the Magic winning a game. Uh, I'm at 10 points. I actually might be at 11 if the Magic lost their game against the Mavericks that they were playing when we started recording tonight. Chuck is in second place. The Celtics and the Rockets have combined for nine points for him. Burke is in third at seven points, but he's really struggling because his good side piece, the Warriors, now have a losing record after they lost to Detroit today. Denko's actually next. The 76ers and Oklahoma City. Making moves. <laughs> really struggling on 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 both end of your side pieces the 76ers aren't good oklahoma city is really playing better than they should be yeah what the hell but miller's the one that's really struggling the most he's only got four points because the spurs are really good and the clippers are terrible yep and i don't know if we need to have a conversation at some point about whether or not miller can switch his teams but how are you feeling about your side pieces not great not great at all i i the 
76ers need to rattle off like 20 straight wins here. And that doesn't look like it's happening. No, it doesn't. Not at all. <laughs> I think this week we, we witnessed the true definition of a side piece. The Cavs are my boo. They're my number one. Yeah, that's true. And my side piece, well, they got swept under by my boo. So <laughs> I yeah. feel pretty good. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not hurt by it. That's what's supposed to happen. There you go. So how happy are you that you did not choose the Brooklyn Nets as one of your side pieces. Well, really happy I didn't choose him as a good side piece. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He could be the bad side piece at this point. Uh, I'm going to go Phil Danko here again. You hate to see it. I just hate <laughs> yeah. to see it. You really do. You really do. <laughs> Did you see the clip that was floating around the internet from a game earlier in the week where Kyrie dished it to Ben Simmons at like the elbow and just yelled at him, shoot it, Ben. And Ben immediately turned and passed it outside <laughs> to Kevin Durant. Oh, I did no. not see that. No, uh, you could you could hear it on the audio. You could hear Ooh. him yell, "Shoot it, Ben!" That team is not in great shape, from what I can see happening right now. And that's not even counting all the stuff with Kyrie that's going on this weekend. He defended him though in a press conference. Kyrie defended Ben Simmons. Yeah, so I guess oh, there's he? yeah he yeah he kind of just said you know, he hasn't played and. You know what you don't know is when he yells at him in that moment, is he pissed or or is he just trying to like encourage him or get him like like hey, now's Broke, the time to shoot it. You got shot. it. Yeah. You got yeah. it. Yeah. Not like or shoot the ball. What's the matter with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, with that, we are going to take our final break. We're going to head off the field. And close the book on the first season of HBO's House of the Dragon. Fellas, welcome back to our final segment. We head off the field and we're going to talk House of the Dragon and a full season recap. We've been talking about it each week. The finale last week gave us the start of the Dance of Dragons and any pretense of Rhaenyra and Allison reaching an agreement and finding peace got eaten by Vagar. What do you think about the finale? I love the finale. I love the way the dragon, well, it wasn't really much of a fight, but the way the, the stalking happened, I thought it was really well done. I, I don't find a lot of fault in this season, season one of House of Dragon, but I thought it was really well done to set up season two, like you, like an oh shit moment that you're used to from Game of Thrones, uh, where everybody's just shocked. I, I wasn't shocked. I was waiting for it to happen. Um, but I, I didn't think it would happen that abruptly, I guess, with just one bite. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but overall, like it was it was a, it was a great episode. Uh, really well done. It's like, oh, don't you know, this, you know, like you knew it, right? Like we knew it. Uh, like, don't don't send don't send the young one. Don't send the kid out there. And then the one guy, whoever, whoever they sent him to, like, did you notice like that dude? That dude can't even read. Like he can't read. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, Lord really Baratheon. Yeah. yeah, whatever yeah. it was. Like, this guy Where's the maester? Like, what I heard was Adam Sandler, like Billy Madison voice. Like, I can't even read. I do feel like Rainier is at a disadvantage because, like, her kids are like queens trying to go fight a war. And, like, he got aimed on the other side as, you know, like, has a grown ass man killer. Uh, it's just really not fair. Phil, what do you think of the finale? 
I love the finale. The one equalizer there is she's married to Damon, who is the baddest of badasses, and he wants that a war true. so bad. And you saw it that whole episode. Like he just wants a war. I, we were we we were forced to watch another just awful childbirth scene. They got to stop with this yeah. shit, man. Like ah, yeah. And I I watched it a second time. I'm like, what am I? I need to fast forward this. But even during that scene, the whole point was Damon did not leave the painted table and was like, all right, we are. We are preparing for war here. I don't care what's going on with my wife and whatever's happening over there. It's time for war. So I love the episode. I think the choking thing was weird too. Damon, it was the Damon's episode was very strange, but clearly he wants war. The one thing I thought about though, after watching it a second time, wasn't it pretty cool how they lit up the painted table? Like that was pretty sweet. It's, it's yeah. great. And why didn't yeah. the one get? Why didn't the guy from Stannis? Of, yeah, yeah, why didn't Stannis know? Yeah. He didn't realize you could light candles under it. That's the problem. He was so lit a lot of people out of fire, specifically his daughter. So he should have known. He was he was too distracted by the witch. That's (laughs) true. Didn't realize he could light up his table. She was like the she was like his medium to get to like the Lord of Light. That seems yeah. like the perfect guy to light up the table. Like, why I, didn't the Lord of I Light thought, come in and be I like, hey, you know what would be thing. really awesome is you can just put some candles under here yeah. and like the whole thing will light up. Now, yeah. granted, it is like a hundred years later. Maybe maybe we'll have candles with the table <laughs> <a year later. laughs> I, I, I disagree a little bit with Phil, though, about the choking thing. Like that that's him, man. Like he's oh, I know. not a good dude. Uh, and so when people are kind of shocked that he did that, I'm like, have you, have you watched this season specifically the first couple episodes of it? I wasn't um, shocked my, that he did it. I just, yeah. it was another uncomfortable scene. Like, yes. oh, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my favorite part though, was when like, not on camera, uh, but <laughs> my favorite part of like the David thing was, cause it was just, it was, I, I laughed out loud because when the queen that never was uh, came and kind of said, here's what's going down. And he's like, yeah, but Viserys, right? Like this guy's been dying for twenty years. His yeah. limbs are falling off. He has half a face, and Damon's like, "They murdered my brother. He was slain, dude. <laughs> no. Slain, dude was falling apart. Are you sure? <laughs> Pretty clear that Damon from the jump wants to have a war. Uh, I think what's really interesting about the episode is that I I still think Rhaenyra was hesitant. Because she's oh, yeah. got her dad's blood in her, and her dad felt like his greatest accomplishment was keeping peace in the kingdom throughout his entire reign. You know she's hesitant to do it. I think her reaction when like Damon chokes her is really interesting. I expected her to just like attack him back. You know, like yeah. you know, you don't f- with Rhaenyra. You know, yeah. like she's she's pretty bad. Uh, but her reaction was was I think kind of surprising. It's such a typical Game of Thrones thing that the story turns essentially on an accident. Aemon is not trying to kill Rhaenyra's son. Man, it's just his dragon, who he can't really control, because none of these guys can really, in the end, control their dragons. They're wild animals. That dragon takes it on itself to do that, kills the kid, and Aemon knows, man. Aemon knows that that's a big problem. Like He is not happy when that happens, but it's such a Game of Thrones thing to have things get worse based on something that's like out of your control or unexpected or something like that. I thought that was a really cool part of, uh, of the finale Uh, and seeing Damon do Damon things like we have all season. Uh, And there's probably a lot more to come from him in the coming seasons. Let's take a look at some house of the dragon clock management. 
Who made the worst in-game clock management decision during season one? In episode five, Rhaenyra dumps Sir Kristen Cole on the boat before her fake wedding to Laner Valerian. Episode nine, Princess Rhaenys chooses not to burn all the greens at Aegon's coronation. Episode 10, Rhaenyra taking her time to do anything after she's learned of the king's death. If nothing else, that allows Aemon to get to Storm End, Storm's End first. Uh, episode one, and maybe the ultimate one, Viserys naming Rhaenyra his heir when he should know that he would have to remarry and there's a chance that he would have sons in the future who could be heirs. So which clock management decision was the worst during season one of House of the Dragon? That's a that's a really hard question to answer because... If Rainis burns down all of the greens, the show would suck. <laughs> the book, <laughs> and, and the book would suck. <laughs> yeah, right? Don't look at it like that. You got to look at it in terms of, you know, like winning yeah. the game. Oh, I, I understand that. I, I thought they did a good job, though, in episode 10 with her explaining why she didn't do that. Like, it's Perfect. not my war to start. It's yeah. not my war to start. Okay. Um, I, I think she might have ended it all in one fell swoop there, too, but. So mismanagement of the clock with those, those picks, uh, that's the one that in hindsight has the biggest, I guess, issue, right? Because all these people are still alive and you're, you're about to have this enormous war. I don't know. Like, I think in episode 10, the caution that Rhaenyra continued to just lead with, which was much like her father, it, it just led them to being one step behind in situations where they didn't have to be. And then I guess, again, it's all in hindsight. Like, I feel like that was mismanagement of the clock. And the only thing that turned her around was the very last scene because she learned that her son was killed. Like, that was it. Like, up to that point, she was still, she was not ready to go to war, even though the war was coming to her. Um, I started at the beginning. I think that's that's the, the biggest mismanagement. You know, the series, he didn't want to be king, ended up being king. And and then uh, everybody in the seven kingdoms knew, like, don't don't name your daughter. Don't do that, man. There's no lady queen. Nobody should rule over if they have a vagina. Uh, so I guess it all started there where he just couldn't go. Eh, yeah, let's let's just wait a little bit to, to name a successor. Um, but yeah, made for a fantastic season. Uh, but ultimately led to most of the issues. I get that we don't want any of this to change because it's been fantastic. It's going to entertain us for probably the next eight years as they get through the next like three seasons and yeah. you know, take <laughs> yeah, two no years shit. off in between each uh, one. Um, so we're going to be in our 50s when this show is over. <laughs> so it's going to be really entertaining. But just for the sake of like playing the game, I, I, I thought about Viserys naming Rhaenyra, but he really was like in a kind of like a rock and a hard place in that situation because he at that point Damon was a complete loose cannon, needed to needed to have an heir. He couldn't not have one, uh, so it's kind of a tough spot there. About all the bad shit that's happened to Rhaenyra after she dumped Sir Kristen Cole, that guy got all bitter and now is you know very solidly like Team Green. I really think it's Princess Rhaenys choosing not to burn everybody. I think she goes in, she kills everybody. At that coronation, her explanation to anybody who asks her is they were all committing treason. It was actively committing treason. Everybody knew the king had named Rhaenyra as his heir. She gets to be the hero. The queen who never was saves the throne for the first queen ever. I think in the long run, 
that would have been a lot better. It certainly would have been a lot better for the Targaryens in the long run, because as you'll see as the show goes on, you know, as a house, they are significantly weakened by fighting against each other for that whole time. So I'm giving it to Princess Rainey's uh, in episode nine, not just killing everybody, which was the easiest thing to do when you have a dragon. All right. Award time. The Robin Aaron Breastfeeding Prince Most Uncomfortable Moment Award. <laughs> Do you think people will get that or is that too obscure? People who have watched. Yeah. It's good. My other one was the Theon Loses His Main Man Most Uncomfortable yeah. Moment Award. <laughs> also, it's good. Yep. All right. So episode one, Most Uncomfortable Moments. The king chooses the birth of his heir over his wife's life. Episode three. I don't even, I didn't even remember this until I was going back this weekend. In episode three, the king floated the idea of Rhaenyra marrying her two-year-old half-brother, Aegon. Uh, episode four, House of Pleasures, Damon, Rhaenyra. I don't think we need to go into more details on that one. Episode nine. What else? Larry Strong and Queen Allison's feet. So, what was the most uncomfortable moment of the show for you, Chuck? Uh, even though it all worked out in in the end, it's it's the House of Pleasure stuff, man. Like it just made me super uncomfortable. Then, uh, like we, I said this earlier, like how uh, we were repulsed by the Lannisters, uh, but people think that the Targaryen incest is hot i'm not one of those people so i'm just gonna stick to the to that and walk away from it i that that one was the most uncomfortable of those choices for me as well i i think uh, i forgot about the whole marrying a two-year-old and at that point they didn't pursue that and it was there were other things happening like him marrying a 12 year old i think True. That, that was uncomfortable <laughs> but the, there's uh, a lot but, of stuff that didn't make yeah, the list that's potentially yeah, right. potentially <laughs> right. there so but i the house of pleasures was very uncomfortable at that time because you were looking at a prince princess renera that was 14 maybe i think yeah she's still a teenager for sure yeah 14 though like barely a teenager and and her uncle yeah that was that was hard to watch. Yeah, that's a tough one. Although I still think the first episode when the king is given a choice between a male heir and his wife and he chooses the heir and his wife dies, man, that's just brutal. Then the kid dies too. And so he's left with nothing. Um, that's really hard. I, that was a, if you remember, it's just a visually very difficult scene to get through. Uh, and it was right at the beginning of the show right in that first episode uh that was that'd be my vote for the most uncomfortable moment that was hard to watch so the fight is on it's between the greens and the blacks between allison and rhaenyra is there a good side and a bad side to this i don't think so man um it's it's gray it's gray to me they tried to usurp her way to the throne i guess so that's that's the bad side but it's not like there's no fault on on the other side as well which i guess is why i i like i like this show i think they're all bad guys there's no there's no good guys anywhere on this show or good women to be honest no yeah like that, that's probably the best part of this series to me is like you you pick a side or they want you to pick a side and you can see <laughs> you can see on both sides are pieces of shit but uh, ultimately i'm gonna have to decide at some point and then they're all just gonna die i'm assuming anyway so uh i'll be good in like when we're 50 something right when the show's <laughs> yeah. over so yeah. yeah you know allison thinks she's doing the right thing 
she really does believe that the king told her that Aegon needed to be on the throne. Um, now, everybody behind her, Otto and, you know, the rest of the small council, those guys are all f- terrible. Um, but Allison is, at least has some shred of, like, decency in her idea for, like, what's going on. Phil, is there a good side or a bad side? I, I, I don't think it's that clear cut, but if I had to lean one way... And it's, there is no good side. Like I'm going to, I'm going to lean toward the blacks, but there's some crazy shit going on on that side for sure. But the reason I would lean that way is kind of what you were just saying, Gerbs. Like they're, they're taking advantage of something an incoherent man muttered in his dying moment as his body was just disintegrating before our eyes, as opposed to something he made a conscious choice and presented to the entire kingdom when he was mostly able-bodied and of sound mind in choosing his daughter as the heir. So if I had to lean one way, I'm going to go to the blacks because that, that was the Viserys choice that everyone said they were going to get behind. So Chuck, who are you going to root for in season two, black or green black? I think we're all black. I think that's the way it's set up. I think it's it's set up for you to, to, to root for Rhaenyra. She really is like the main character in the show and even if she is flawed i mean listen she's broken like every rule that the princess was supposed to follow to become the queen and that's really where allison's part of allison's trouble lies is everybody knows rhaenyra's kids aren't targaryens you know everybody knows they're bastards well they're half targaryen <laughs> yeah, which half certainly sure not half. their hair not their <laughs> hair that's all it needs to be sure it all half. comes down to the hair in this show <laughs> I think the show is set up for you to root for Rhaenyra, but I, I don't know, man. Like, you know, Rhaenyra is on the side with Damon, and Damon is a bad, bad, bad dude, man. There's no doubt about that. He killed a wife just because he was sick of being married to her. That's no good. You can't do that. <laughs> there are no good guys or bad guys in this show. I think everybody is equally bad, and what the show is about is how bad will you get to have power? Uh, and that's what we're going to see in the coming seasons. But I guess for right now, I'll root for the Blacks. We'll see what happens in season two sometime in 2024. Bourbon scale for House of the Dragon season one. Uh, I'm assuming five is the top end, and I'm going to go five on that. Uh, I've really enjoyed this season. I've I've simultaneously gone back and continued to rewatch Game of Thrones. I'm, I'm through season three of Game of Thrones, so I'll, I'll watch that a little bit in between. And it's interesting. Like, they've done a really good job this season in, in picking – picking up the game of Thrones feel, but completely telling the story the way it's completely different. Like there's, it's just a different pace. It's a different, it's a different story arc. Of course, there's, there's less magic. There's less, all sorts of things. It, and, and they've done a really good job. It's a compelling story. And I, I'm going to have a hard time waiting until 2024 yeah. to watch the next season of this. You got to be kidding me. I'm in a, I'm at a four and a half. I don't think it's perfect, but there were certain things about this season that to me were perfect when I watched it. The last episode, and, and you mentioned it earlier, Gerb, because you didn't have that in Game of Thrones. You thought all dragons just did whatever you told them to do. And then you forget that these things are monsters. I appreciated that aspect of it in the last episode. Um, and some of the, you know, like not even storyline stuff, like the cinematography was gorgeous, even though it was dark at times. Like, might have been a little too dark. Way too many dark things. But, but yeah. there were things about this season that were just perfect. Uh, so I'll I'll give it a four four out of four and a half. Man, like it's some good bourbon. I think I'll go all the way to a five. 
Um, no show is perfect. It's impossible to tell these stories without having to change them a little bit from the book or leave stuff out from the book because they're just not humanly possible to put it all down on screen. Uh, but I was wildly entertained every week. Uh, there might have been only like one episode that I didn't think was was really good and wasn't really entertaining. I'll absolutely revisit it and watch the season again. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to what happens in, in the coming years. I think they solved the problem that Game of Thrones had and how they handled how long it takes for everything to happen. The way they did the time jumps was really, really good. And I think if they keep that going for the entire series, you won't feel rushed, but you won't feel like it's dragging on or there are dull episodes or something like that in there. So um, I'm giving it a five. Why not? House of the Dragon. Well done on you. Uh, let's move from fantasy on TV to the worst fantasy league ever to the Gerber trade report. Finally, success. I pulled off a trade this week. Denko, who says yes to anything except a day off from working out, said yes to a trade. <laughs> Denko agreed to send over Raheem Mostert and George Kittle to my team in exchange for Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, David Njoku, and Juju Smith-Schuster. I also agreed to allow Denko to host an upcoming off-the-field segment of the show if he agreed to the trade. So the trade happened. I think I'll actually beat Denko this week. But, fellas, we have a huge integrity problem in the league. There is a conspiracy afoot that we need to deal with. In our small council tonight, the average number of transactions made by any team in our terrible league this year is about three going into this week. But Tom Burke's team, the only undefeated team in the league, has made 13 moves. That's almost five times the league average. I will posit you this. Tom Burke is trying hard to win the worst fantasy league ever a total violation of everything the league stands for. <laughs> Chuck, by the way, is keeping it the most real. He hasn't made a single move all season. That's not true. Oh, I you were listening like to David zero. Carr. Oh, okay. At like the beginning so of the maybe, year. Maybe you've made one. Um, yes, one. Maybe that was before the season actually started. I don't know. Still in first place. Still in first place. Yeah. All right. Keeping it real. Yeah. So what are we going to do? about Tom's disrespect to all of us and the principles of the worst fantasy league ever. Is Tar and Feathering an option? I don't think so, no. Oh. <laughs> hmm. A little too much commitment for this league. Can we make them wear the Team Up North gear? Ooh, Ooh I like that. That's <laughs> File that one away. I think that's yeah. good. And, I, and I, I actually have a Team Up North hat that I've been meaning to give to Tom as Secret Santa, if I ever get him. I haven't gotten him yet, though, but I've got it and available for the clan bake this weekend if he's showing up. Yeah, that that's a good idea. Like, deck him out in, in some maize and blue, I guess, but he auto-drafted, right? Did he, maybe he actually, did he sign in and draft? <laughs> like, no, did he actually no, draft? That was, no, you couldn't do that. No, no, uh, no, 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 no. He's just I'm making moves every week. Yeah. He's making moves every week, and he's 7-0. and oh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I Maybe, maybe he needs we we need we need confirmation that he's doing 150 push-ups a day again. That's what we need. Interesting. I thought about changing his team name to the Astros. How about that? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I think I like the uh, I think I like the maize and blue better. Why don't I plan on uh, bringing my team up north gear down to Tom for the clam bake, and we'll make him put that on as a punishment for trying 
in the worst yeah. fantasy league what are ever. You doing? I know. Boys, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that in Arlington Heights, Illinois, during Halloween 1902, the tricks got so out of hand that the local paper advised the public to load their muskets or cannon with rock, salt, or birdshot. And when trespassers invade your premises at unseemly hours upon mischief bent, pepper them good and proper so they will be effectually cured and have no further taste for such tricks. With that news that Halloween is tomorrow and I have zero muskets and I am fresh out of <laughs> shooting rocks, I hope you guys have a safe Halloween and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. Birdshot, birdshot, buckshot. Yeah. <laughs> Guess like they didn't egg houses back then or roll yeah. it with toilet paper. Grab ye musket. Uh, uh, they used Christian McCaffrey the right way, apparently, today in, in the yes. San Fran game. Yeah. We'll get to it. Yeah. 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 We'll get to it. Actually, <laughs> well, he's, yeah, he's oh. on my team. Oh, oh. So Probably Chuck's going to get to it. Schultz out. <laughs> We're not. We're not. Different twist on worst fantasy league ever. We've got some, we've got some interleague crime to, uh, to resolve. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. Yeah. Uh -oh. Yeah. Oh, you're going to. We're going to get to it, but I, I think you wait. guys are going to be pretty, pretty, pretty upset when we get to that part. Because <laughs> I, I know be. that I was <laughs> when I found out what was happening. You know, Mahomes. You is... see the way that the Panthers Falcons game yes. ended in regulation. Oh no. my God. No. Talk about a Cleveland Browns ending to That's a game. That's exactly what I thought <laughs> when I, when it happened, no. I was like, oh man, this makes me feel like. It's just a regular Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they score on, on a ridiculous Hail Mary, like off the dude's back foot, right? Like running to his left. Yeah. That's great yeah. Throw. yeah. And uh, yeah, they score on the Hail Mary and then miss the extra point to force overtime and then lose yeah. in overtime. Right? Yeah. 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 Awesome. Baker, Good job. Baker must have felt like right at home. Yeah. Good job. Well, they they oh, yeah. missed it because, because of DJ, the guy who caught the ball, took his helmet off. So they know, gave him a penalty and, and backed him up, yep. but he wasn't on the field. So I was like, maybe, you know, like he was, he was beyond the field of play. Oh, really? I was like, yeah, yeah a little ticket. Yeah. He was towards like the stands either way. Great throw by a former XFL quarterback. I had to start him. Yeah. The Lakers are still winless. Aren't they? I think they yeah. were last night. Winless time. Yeah. Can we, can we start that <laughs> show? <laughs> That's a good joke. Uh, that is uh, a I good can't joke. believe I didn't think of that. Well done. <laughs> Winless time. Uh oh. How are you feeling about the one and sick and love sick? Nice try, Gerber. Uh oh. There you go. <clears throat> oh God. I'm just not on my not on my A game right now. You're doing great. Well, I should have dressed yeah. up as the toilet you fell on for Halloween today. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I had what? another question and I that I thought of like while we were talking because that segment that entire segment all three of those segments went a little bit shorter than I thought they would mm -hmm. uh, and I like while Chuck was talking I completely forgot oh sorry what it was no, no, not, it wasn't you're, no, 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 you're, you're probably concussed you should where is true. your where is your sleeping helmet why are you not wearing your sleeping helmet <laughs> I, know. I know what was the question you don't remember 
I can't think of what it was. Yeah. I completely lost it. I'm going to get another beer and maybe it'll come to you. Oh, no. It was. Yeah. I know what it is now. Was it about college football? No. Okay. No, it's about the NBA. We're going to do it. And then I'm just going to try oh. to see if I can just drop it in. Taco Fall standing up on the on the sideline of a court to say hi to Shaq. And he dwarfed Shaq. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that guy's got to be like eight feet tall. Shaq might be shrinking, though. He's got like osteoporosis. Like he's getting old. Uh, My grandma got a lot shorter. She got older. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It happens. But, you know. She dominated inside, though, like he did, That's right. too. That's right. <laughs> For a time. For a time. For a time. <laughs> There was no one better with her back to the basketball. Right. To the, to the Sabina rim. Maceros. <laughs> Sabina? Really? My grandma Bina. Yeah. Sabina. Straight, uh, That's awesome. First like generation, for man. Pacers she, with that she name. came over. Yeah. Uh, Sabonis? She came, <laughs> she came over from Poland on the boat, man. Yeah. She wow. was, uh, Grandma Bina was an immigrant. That's awesome. Which clock management decision was the worst during season one of Game of Thrones? Phil? Game of Thrones, you dipshit. (laughs) During season one of House of the Dragon. Who's your MVD for this season? Mm. Who was your favorite character this year? I thought you were going to go with most valuable dragon. Yeah. Well, it doesn't clearly, have to be a dragon. Clearly, it's Vagar. Yes, no, it doesn't have to be a dragon. Man, there's there's so many good characters. Like I, I think my favorite one, if I think of just like individual moments through the season where they were like they tallied the most individual moments, I'm like oh shit, it's Damon. You know, I mean, it's yeah, he's he's that guy that's just like geez, like he you don't want to root for this guy, but at the same time, like he he's making the story go right, like he's. <laughs> cutting people yeah. in half multiple times <laughs> you, know, you know it's like all right he's he, I've, I've read a thing where you know two of my favorite scenes where uh he picks up the crown and puts it on his on his brother yeah and yeah the end where their backs turned to the fire he he was the one who suggested doing those yeah they were both Not, like that, that wasn't in a script yeah, was oh, yeah, yeah he was the one yeah. who's yeah he was the one who suggested doing that um which i thought were especially the the, the scene with his brother that was phenomenal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if I had to pick up, like a just the one that I liked the most, as part of a favorite, I think it's the king. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. that poor bastard was trying to do everything right, man. Yeah, um, yeah. and just like a victim he... of circumstance and all the people around him, you know. It just it feels a little bit different right now. Because, like right now, the the disappointment with the Browns feels even worse than it did ten years ago. Because ten years ago, yeah. they had no fucking chance. They had right. no fucking talent. You know, now that you feel like they do, like we can't figure out how they're losing games. That makes it hurt even worse. And then, like the Cavs and the Guardians are just so much fun. They're young kids. They're yeah. playing super hard. They're you know, the Guardians play baseball the way that we love baseball being played. The Cavs are playing this brand of basketball that is um, really exciting to watch. And they have a, a legit superstar, which we've almost never seen in Cleveland other than LeBron, of course. Yeah. But um, 
it's so much fun. Like, does it start to? Yeah, yeah. LeBron's going to be <laughs> requesting a trade here shortly. Yeah, <laughs> send a Coro yeah. out there. Bring LeBron home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that poor guy. God, he. Yeah. He man. he looks more lost offensively as yeah. the season moves on. Uh, yeah, he was, yeah. and he got yeah. a lot of minutes in the fourth quarter tonight. I'm like, he oh, conti- God, so, is this our best option right now? So do you think they're playing like he, uh, we mentioned this last week, he continues to get minutes uh, and, and provide no offense. So is his yeah. lockdown defense and maybe we're just not picking up on it. Like, is it that, is it helping in those stretches of the game where we need to get some stops um, and you know, you're getting points from all these other guys he's, he's got to be their best defender right if, if yeah. they put yeah. him on the rookie from the magic and then tatum on yeah. the celtics right yeah right yeah right and is that the trade-off you know like is, is that the trade-off that you know you're not getting anything offensively but i i expected him to make a leap this year like we talked about it. i thought he'd be my quiet pick like we would be so surprised that this kid's gonna put his game together but we're two weeks in or whatever it is i'm like oh yeah. no That's oh yeah whoosh, yeah whoosh. Uh, I think the defense is definitely there. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything d- doubt about that, man. He 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 really does play well. Um, I, he just he is a black hole on offense. There's just nothing they can no. do with him. Oh, he was shooting threes in the fourth quarter tonight. I was just like, oh god, <laughs> this is not shooting. a winning recipe. <laughs> he the, we're, he was shooting well. How many preseason games did they play? Three or four? Like he looked good. Yeah, yeah. like he was shooting yeah. the ball well, and that's uh, yeah. yeah. And then he's like a reverse Carmelo Anthony. Like Carmelo Anthony can play D, but he can shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, or can he, shoot? Is he still playing? I don't think so. Did he finally retire? I have no idea. I don't think he's retired, but he might not be on a roster yet. He, he may be waiting around for. So should we do our should we do our costumes right now? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Here it is. It's <laughs> a pretty good one, man. I like that one. I dug that out from I, I think I wore this to a Halloween game like 20 years ago. Pretty great, actually. Yeah. Is that hand painted or did you buy that? No, I made it. I bought it. I, I mean I made it. I painted yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So this it was white. I painted right. the orange. And the brown is like uh athletic tape that i painted first and then stuck it on yes yeah. amazingly straight lines if i would have oh. been all over the yeah i uh i took my time <laughs> uh, uh, please tell me he's for serious but he still has a full face yeah right we need, well his lips falling apart that's true his yeah. lips falling off, yeah. so it's kind yeah. of serious. Are you losing yeah. body parts? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm young, young King Viserys. Before, but your before lip, he, your lip uh, has a hole in it, right? Know, That's true. Dude. <laughs> Put it under the crown. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> better. Like Edgar Winter now. <laughs> your lip to... has a hole in it, so you're on your way, yeah. Viserys. <laughs> Um, I had to make some adjustments to the crown because it would not fit around my head. So it's actually being held together in the back with a rubber band now so that it's big enough to you fit win. around everything. <laughs> pretty great. You make a, you make a pretty good Viserys. Like this is uh... a, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know what? And I didn't think about it until like too late that like, um, I should have gotten like the patch, like Eamon would have been a cool, character to be rather than you know the rotting king um 
But uh, anyway, given Laris, shirts and feet. All right, we good? Yeah, I, I think so. All right, yeah. Do I have to do the show in this thing? Because I can't breathe, <laughs> and I definitely can't drink. <laughs> and take off my jersey. I may, uh, I may put the wig back on for our our closing segment. I like the autographed Vinny Testaverde jersey. Though. Yeah, this is a real deal, man. Yeah, and so yeah, I am. I am the greatest Italian American quarterback in the history of the NFL. You and the should. guy who finally got that scrub Bernie Kosar out of Cleveland. That's right. You should get oh. that framed. That should be framed in the back. Yeah. How long have you had that? I think this. It's been around for a very long time. Um, I don't know. It's it. Yeah, it's got to be since he played here. And it's yeah. very, I don't get it because it's like super tight around. <laughs> and he was yeah. like a really big are, are you wearing shoulder pads underneath that? No. Yeah, the arms are huge. But like the, <laughs> this area is really, he must have been really felt. <laughs> yeah, I think he was. I think he, yeah, was, he was a, a, a pretty, pretty in shape dude. He's a good looking man. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you?